Welcome to the Two Putt Podcast. Two Putt for Par. Iowa's number one golf podcast. Yeah, but three putt is Snakesville. One part golf. Basically, it comes down to the fact that golf is hard. And one part business. But if it makes money, it makes sense. Mixing business with pleasure, these guys know how to have fun. This is the Two Putt Podcast. That's what we do. Welcome back, Two Putters. It's another episode of the Two Putt Podcast, Iowa's number one golf podcast. We're so excited. It's uh, been a little bit of a break, but we have the Masters around the corner, so we had to get on um, and talk a little bit about that but we, and just get things ready to go. We were just kind of dusting the cobwebs off a little bit, talking uh, with each other, catching up, and we want to do the same. Uh, I got my, my guy Lee and Jason in the house with me. Guys, how are we doing tonight? Great, man. That's, it's exciting to be back. We took a little break, which was, which was much needed. Um, and a lot of that was because the schedule just didn't allow us to do this the way we were doing it before. But batteries recharged, ready to uh, drop some fire tonight. I feel rejuvenated. I tell you what, I mean, that little hiatus we had, I feel rejuvenated. I'm ready to hit a couple, uh, couple winners. Maybe a flyer. I don't know. We'll we'll see what ha- we'll, we'll see what the cards have in store for us. Even this week, we don't even need to talk Masters. Let's go Bermuda Championship and make some people some money. Anytime you got Will Zalatoris as the favorite, uh, you know there's a chance for a big time flyer pick. Chance for some money to be made this week. So other than that, obviously we'll get into the golf and uh, what's going on and what we've kind of missed, catch up, obviously preview a little bit of the Masters as we talked about as we still got uh, a couple weeks, but uh, I mean, nothing more exciting than the golf world than the Masters, but uh, how's everything uh, else going with you guys? Life, Saggy, how's, uh, how's the team? Um, where are you guys at uh, in, with the golf team? Yeah, we, we wrapped up our fall season here a few weeks back, uh, kind of a crazy fall. I uh, had one event that I had my entire roster available to play. So uh, we were kind of navigating the COVID times and getting everybody acclimated to campus. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a good fall. Our fall season's always a little bit shorter. I uh, play some four or five events usually and uh, get to learn a little bit more about our team, get some new guys some experience. And uh, so it was good from that standpoint. And now those guys are focusing a little bit more on the academic things and getting caught up on that side of uh on that side of the college life and uh so yeah it was good and wrapped up the fall by getting a little chance to watch a little bit of 4a state golf and caught up with lee while i was down there at des moines golf and country club and uh followed around with him for a little while and we had a good little time caught up there too had a pretty good fall uh as far as weather goes i know there are a couple that you guys got some rain and it didn't get cold until here after you guys were finished so you had to be had to be pleased with the weather yeah the weather was good uh, it's always hit or miss when you play fall and spring season. So uh, you can have some pretty bad weather. You can have some pretty good weather and uh, everything in between. So we had good weather. The only one that was pretty poor was our second tournament. Uh, it was just an 18-hole match. And by the seventh hole, the seventh green was unplayable. There was basically a pond in the middle of it. So we only we cut that short after nine holes. But other than that, I uh, had really good weather throughout for the most part. And how did uh, – how did – how's recruiting gone so far yeah it's good i mean we're uh obviously this time of the year uh with only 4a playing in the fall uh those kids a lot of times are making their decisions before any of the other schools because 1a through 3a don't play until the spring of the year so uh i've been having visits you know having kids at campus showing them around uh obviously the kids from the 4a schools that we've been more involved with and so it's been good Good, man. That's exciting. Hopefully, uh, be anxious to then to hear how things in the spring and everything comes together for you guys. Um, Lee, we've seen some pictures. Haven't I? Haven't seen it yet in person, but uh, someone someone finally got their Scotty back. Oh, and boy, is it it's sexy. I mean, I I, I used it once um, while I got to check off a new golf course in Iowa off my list. Uh, Edmondson Park in Oskaloosa. I played uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a couple weeks ago. Uh, I did bring it out that day. It's just so scary because it's that Scotty that that reacts to moisture. So you either A, need to only play when it's dry or take really, really good care of it. So uh, I did use it that day. It was nice to get that thing rolling again. Uh, Those greens at Edmondson were fast. So um, it was more 
or less just trying to get something close as opposed to trying to pour a bunch in. But uh, it was nice to have that thing back in my hands again, though. I'll tell you that. Yeah, absolutely. I like I said, saw pictures. It looked, uh, it looked good. Look, look, brand new, man. It looked like uh, that thing uh, you just did order it, but that's going on fifteen years old. How old is that putter? It's it's twenty. I mean, it's I got it about two thousand. It was either two thousand or two thousand one. So I'm pretty sure they just send you a new putter. I don't think they actually like do anything to it besides just give you a new putter. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, but it certainly feels that way when you get it. I mean, it looks really good. I'll have to get some pictures up. We'll see if you can make putts with it either way, whether it's brand new or the refurbished one. Oh, it's going, they're going in. You know that. Yeah. I didn't see, I haven't seen the grip. Didn't you get a new grip on there too? I did. I ended up changing what I originally thought. I got the midsize grip on it. I was just going to do the, the normal one, a, a lighter gray. Um, but I did go with a little different midsize after I had putted with the one I've been using for a while that had the huge grip. I didn't necessarily need that, but I, I did like something a little bit bigger. So I got the midsize and it looks good and it feels good. Like I said, only one time, but looking forward to, to using it a lot here. Uh, well, not anytime soon. Uh, I was going to say, unless you're traveling south or something, I'm, I'm afraid that uh, golf season is probably over for most people in Iowa. I, I think I think I'm hitting some this weekend. I'll be honest. I'm going on that hunting trip that I've gone. Well, this will be my second year with my dad up to South Dakota. And and last year we found, I think it was Saturday. It was the nicest of the, the days we were up there. And the, the course wasn't open, but we just got to go out there and, and hit golf balls. So I'm thinking there may be a little golf this weekend for me. I, I was eyeballing tomorrow to get on the course maybe a little bit. No basketball practice tomorrow. Uh, with the schedule and decent weather, mid 40s, mid to upper 40s, some sun, it's going to be cold. But I, I've been seeing people out on the course almost every day. That's crazy. Yeah, it's been winter came too soon between the snow and uh, the cold temperatures and the cold wind. I don't know, man. I I keep looking at the uh, courses on as I drive around town. Pins are still in, boxes are still out, everything's still going. I think they're holding out hope to we get, you know, at least two more weeks of um, if they take 10 to 14 more days of decent weather, I think they'll take it and get some guys out there. And, and then you never know. Obviously years past, we've had people playing in December. So it, uh, it's welcome to Iowa. We all, we all know how that works. I stopped out by the municipal course yesterday to see our friend Jordan David. Uh, there was one person on the course, uh, guy that's listening to the pod a little bit. Tony Lutz was out there yeah. getting some swings in. So I think he had the whole course to himself. I didn't see anybody else out there. Yeah, not not a bad time to be playing. I know the, we talked a little bit about it, um, Jason, when you were in town at the Des Moines Golf on how fall golf, if the weather works, can just be a wonderful time to be out playing. And um, obviously, Des Moines Golf Country Club is a, a awesome place to be in the fall with with the trees and obviously the setup out there. And so, yeah, if you if you're able to do it, I mean, we still obviously had two days of significant snow, but we still got a bunch of leaves and still might have some days and some sunshine out there, maybe even a little green grass to, to get a few more rounds in. I'm still a little disappointed. Two thirds of the pod here has uh, played Des Moines golf and there's one third that hasn't. <laughs> so we'll let everybody figure out who that one third is. <clears throat> he has red hair. We might still be able to get that fixed for you. We'll, we'll see what we can do. Hey, besides people that get paid to play golf, does anybody play more than Tony Lutz? No. There's no way. Nope. He's that in guy, the, well, he's how many in, holes did he play or had he played when we were there? Well, he tracks it, but I, I don't even know specifically this year, but he's in the thousands of holes this year. So. Oh, he was in the thousands of holes the beginning of August. Yeah, I don't think he's making 2,000 holes, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's up in the 1,500 range to maybe over. Wild. You know who else been playing a lot of holes and good holes is John Trost. You seen any of his adventures uh, up in the the north northeast of us? Yeah, does he work? I don't know. Apparently, the insurance business is all right. Or he got fired. One of the two. We could ask, but it's more fun to talk about it. Well, because he was, was he where? Because he's up at Kohler. Did he play Whistling Straits? 
Yeah, like a couple he, times, didn't he? I think he uh, played the Irish course up there. I don't, did he play the Irish and the Straits? Or, and then he also played uh, – actually, there's another one up there that he played too. Yeah, just just living living the golf life. Hashtag golf life Instagram, John Trost, I guess. Rolling around Hashtag with push cart. push cart mafia. Getting free rounds too, it sounded like. I'd be taking advantage too of if I was getting free rounds. See. That's that's the good life. Yeah, I guess. So Thanks thanks for the invite, Trost. Yeah. Well, he did offer the pod, uh at least room and board, I think. So we'll have to see. We don't know about the rounds at the round are like comped yet. Ten kids, room and board. I don't know if that's even a good deal. <laughs> he could put us up in a hotel. There you go. He has to. Yeah, has to. So well, let's jump into a little golf coverage here, guys. I, I don't know how much you guys have had a chance to follow. Um I I watched the Zozo last week. It was really kind of the first time. I watched a little bit of the CJ Cup, but I actually watched the the final round, at least the final nine of the Zozo. Um, obviously just crazy. Some of these guys are popping up and playing and some of them aren't, um, the CJ cup though. One thing talking about that, um, out in Vegas, uh, what you guys think of that course? I know that's something that uh, we saw in the match. Um, but seeing it again and seeing a little bit more coverage of it, it got, it seemed like it got dark quick on the match and not everybody with that pay-per-view got to see it. But, uh, uh, did you guys get any chance to see that, see the course and, and, and what'd you think of that? I watched quite a bit of, of both of the tournaments, but, you know, speaking to the one you were talking about, there, there are just certain courses that are almost made for TV. And that course is, is one of them. I mean, it is, it's beautiful. When golf courses are beautiful on TV, you can just imagine what it would be like, you know, on the course. So, I mean, kudos to them for, I know it's a different year and, and they're playing some, some courses that, you know, they don't always get to play, but that was awesome on TV. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't get a chance to see a whole lot of it, but I did pull up the old Google Maps on it, and if you take a look, everything is brown around there. That is the, uh, the luscious green area for miles around. Uh, place looks immaculate. I mean, it looked immaculate on TV, and uh, obviously kudos to them for stepping up and hosting that, and uh, you know, being able to host that in Vegas back-to-back -back weeks and having a couple of good tournaments and a lot of the, you know, top players around the world there. So really good competition for uh, the CJ Cup. And, you know, it kind of came down to the wire there. You saw Xander in the mix. You saw some of the top guys in the mix. And uh, Jake, Jason Koprak coming out on top. He's all in, man. Jason Koprak all in. That was fitting that he won in Vegas, obviously, with um, the way he likes to gamble. But, yeah, that's Shadow Creek. Um, the, you know, Sega, you mentioned it, but you ever see aerials of it? Obviously, it's not supposed to be there, and it wasn't. I mean, they brought in. I mean, every mound and every hill and every dirt was brought. I mean, was brought in. Um, water brought in. I mean, it's it is it's the best way to describe it is it, it's like Tiger Woods golf uh, for PlayStation. Like you're just like these are, these holes aren't even real. Like that's kind of what it looked like. Um, so, and, and with that then too, I mean, transitioning then last week to the Zozo, um, you know, same type of deal. Like that course um, is just, it was the same type of thing where it's like nothing, no like real amazing holes. I mean, there's a lot of really cool holes, but that looked like it was just cutting in, into the mountains and wasn't supposed to be there either. Um, so that was fun to watch on TV as well. Yeah, it was extremely, extremely gettable too, which was, when you talk about PGA Tour, no-cut events on a course that's gettable, that's fun to watch. You know, I mean, you know that the and, – and the field was great, obviously. Um, you know, I, I hate to say this because there's something about regular golf tournaments, but if we could get a field like that every week and no-cut, that would be awesome. Love the no-cut events keeps the big dogs in the race the entire time. And you see John Rahm, I mean, how good was Rahm over the weekend to put himself in the position uh, to potentially win? I was, I was texting with a former golfer at Warford, Ryan Shield, and he, uh, he's actually played Sherwood. Uh, and so he was like, this is, he said, it's the best course I've ever played. Uh, obviously take that for what it's worth, but he was just talking a little bit about it. And uh, obviously to see the, those guys do what they did to that course, uh, pretty amazing. One thing, 
let's talk about JT. I mean, the guy was unbelievable the first two, two and a half rounds, basically. And uh, not the first time we've seen him be really good and not be able to finish. Yeah, I mean, because what was it, the work day when he lost to Marikawa? Um, yeah, just, I, I mean, obviously we've, we've talked about it on the pod, but his, his no-cut events and his record in no-cut events is crazy, but it's usually because it's a slow start, um, and then he kind of comes on hot towards the end. But uh, this one, he came out firing and, you know, had the 54-hole lead. And, I mean, the shot on, the shot on 15 – that came up short. Um, you know, obviously he pondered that and they were going back and forth. That was cool to hear the audio on that one. Um, obviously that was a huge swing um, with Cantley dang near slam dunking that his, but then the shot on 16, is that 16 that he hit the, the queef into the water? I mean, what yeah. the- that was like, what is going on? Like, that's when, I mean, the shot on 15, I was kind of like, okay. But as soon as he hit that ball on 16 in the water, I'm like, man, this, he's, he's going to do it again. Yeah, those dudes were crushing those par fives. And I think there was three on the back nine. Yeah, there's and, five in the course. Yeah. And JT, I don't think, birdied any of them on the back nine. Uh, the only hole I think he birdied on the back was the 18th hole when he had to try to make it to force a playoff. Uh, that, that was just a little surprising to see him maybe stumble down the stretch and play as poorly maybe as he did coming in and uh, when he was in the best position to win that thing. And he was, he was really emotional, I thought. I mean, especially as the tournament was kind of slipping out of his grasp a little bit. Like, you just saw that, the fieriness, you know, that, that maybe isn't the best for that sport. You know, I mean, we – We've talked about Bryson before, how he can run hot. Rom can run hot. you just never seen it with JT, but he missed the putt on 17. Yeah, he yeah. still had a, he had a birdie the last two. And he hit a pretty good one on 17 and missed that putt. And you saw him, like, really smack his leg, you know, and, like, very visually upset with himself. And I get it, you know, a couple rounds where you think you're in the driver's seat and all of a sudden you're not anymore. I, can imagine the frustration but you could just see it like it's it was different to see that from him I think JT's feeling a little bit of the heat of being one of the best players in the world and not winning as much as he you know uh, thinks he should be or people think he should be I mean he came up short in the playoff to Morikawa when he made the 50 footer or whatever and then Morikawa made it on top of him and uh, you know was in this position here and he's been in really good position a lot of times but you know just hasn't converted and uh, I don't want to foreshadow the Masters at all, but <clears throat> I, I think he's in good position heading forward, though. Well, and then going to the – I mean, Cantley obviously winning it kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. That was one thing early on the broadcast. They were talking how it was basically a match play between Rom and Thomas, and then all of a sudden uh, here comes Cantley. And um, he's a dude who – obviously he has a ton of game and is very good when healthy. Um, but he's another one that kind of, he doesn't, play, I feel like he doesn't play that much, but when he does play, he usually, you know, top, top, uh, top 20 is it. And then, you know, when he catches fire, what he's, has he got three wins now? Um, I think two of which are in the fall and the silly season. He must like uh, putting on the sweater and playing in the, playing in the fall um, because he's, he's seemed to do well in the silly season, but uh, I don't know. I mean, you talk about setting up his game would set up pretty well for uh, Augusta as well. It feels like he plays a lot though, because Alex Bullmeyer bets on him every single time that he plays. Um, so we've talked about him on, on here before the, the guy who just bets on Cantlay every single week. And finally he nailed them 30 to one this week. Um, but I, I definitely think like the best players always seem to, to find a way to be in the hunt in Augusta, you know, like very rarely is it somebody that's not one of the better players in the world. And I, he's quietly in that, that mix for sure. You don't hear a lot about him because he's not that type of guy, but I mean, certainly there's a lot of guys that are, um, going to be, pretty big names going into the, the Masters. And I think he should probably be right up there. i tell you a little something. I think I saw a stat. I'm just kind of looking at it right now. But Cantlay uh, played his 
first 61 holes, I believe it was, at the Zozo without a bogey. Uh, so, yes, he came out of nowhere, uh, but that dude was rock solid all week. Uh, and just put himself in position to hang around, hang around, and then played really well on Sunday, too. And uh, I think he made, I think I saw a career-high nine birdies as well or something like that on Sunday. And, you know, props to him because playing 61 straight holes without a bogey is pretty darn impressive. Yeah, just really strong down the stretch and obviously made shots when he needed to. And, uh, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty ho-hum about the whole thing. I mean, from his game to his interviews, which is, which is fine. I mean, we, you know, we need, we need a little bit of a, a yin and yang with that. We can't have all these uh, hot heads up there that are, are always winning. And so kind of a little reminiscent of Adam Scott. He's got some Adam Scott vibes, I think, um, watching watching his his game and his mannerisms and so uh, he got a master so we'll see maybe uh maybe he'll be slipping on a green jacket here before we know it at least Cantley can putt Adam Scott yeah. can putt amen Lee's so, a better putter than him with that new Scotty's oh way better way better but those couple of those guys this the no band or the no with the extended putters uh just have not been able to figure out is Webb Simpson the only one of those guys that can actually putt since the change rule change yeah Webb's made a pretty darn good adjustment yeah he might be a better putter now because because Keegan can't putt um Adam Scott can't putt um elite ball strikers terrible putters Mm -hmm. it's because they can't anchor anymore man it's not just not working I guess but all right, so this weekend, where do we go? So we got uh, Bermuda, right? The Bermuda Championship this weekend. Um, got just a loaded field this weekend <laughs> for the Bermuda. Um, what do you, you guys seen for numbers on this? Who's, uh, who's the favorite going in? And uh, anybody that you guys kind of like? Well, we were kind of talking about it a little bit before. Will Zalatoris popping up there as the favorite. I. Uh, not even a full PGA Tour player yet. He'll be earning it after this weekend, most likely. But uh, still a Corn Ferry Tour player, but the favorite coming in. And you got uh, Brennan Todd, the defending champion, I think, there right behind him, right about 14 to 1 or so. And uh, there's some names that you that pop up as you go further down the list. That good players. You got Doc Redman, guy that we've picked a lot on the pod here for some different props and things like that. Well, Harold Varner the third, I think a guy that's probably up there around twenty to one, and uh, you know some obviously really really good players. Don't get me wrong, but you don't have the the big names up there at the top of the or at the top of the the odds. Yeah, the guys at the top, the they're just not the same guys that we're used to seeing. So, Jason had kind of mentioned this before we get on here that there's a chance to uh, to make some money with somebody farther down the list and. Yeah, I mean, you still get some guys you've heard of. I mean, not, not obviously not huge names anywhere, but, you know, I kind of like at 40-1 uh, to 1, Peter Malnati this week to, to win. I think that's good value and, uh, you know, a guy that can play a little bit. You know, not a huge name, but, I mean, you go down that list, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if there's somebody in that 100, and, 100 to 1 or more, you know, that we call the, the flyer picks, if you will, to maybe make a little money for somebody this week. Yeah, going through, I mean, like you said, you go down the line, a couple of these guys, for sure, some some top 20 bets probably out there, Luke Liss, Wes Bryan. I mean, we got a couple guys that uh, – um, who else did I see? A little, little sneaky um, off the radar. So our guy, Max Homa, friend of the pod – uh he uh was down with the uh, the no laying up guys this past weekend down in jacksonville and setting course records down there i think he he they played a couple um courses before the wedding and i think I, they said he shot like 63 at one and 64 at the other so dude's got his game's all tuned up man and uh, he's got to be riding high on that dodger uh victory so maybe uh the adrenaline for our guy homa um what is he 60 66 one Yep. See Lee's guy value. right behind there. Tom, Tom Lewis is right there with him. Too. Oh, he could get hot. And the Duff Daddy. Uh, Jason's boy. Uh, you can get at a great value this week. Fred Funk. Uh, 1250 to one. $1 Ready. to win $1,250. 
I don't understand how, I mean, everything correlates to my boy. I don't, I've never talked about Fred Funk on the pod one time. Short knocker. Boy, no. Short okay. knocker. Fair enough. I guess if you're going with that correlation, we can roll with that. But I'm pretty sure we can relate any golfer to you. What about Troy, Troy Mayer? That's your guy, too. We got him 70-1. Osage, Iowa. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm all on board with Troy. He can make birdies in a hurry. Oh, uh, anybody else? I'm just kind of going through. She's Ryan Ryan Armour way down at 125 plus 125. That wouldn't be, be all right with that. Jason, you're a big Chase Seifert fan. He's a hundred to one. Chase Seifert, I, I, I'm a, I like Christopher Ventura this week. I think he's gonna play well. I think he's right around thirty-five to one. You know, one of the, I guess, top twenty guys on the board there, but uh, still pretty good value, I think, with him. Nick Watney. We no. used to call we used to call him Northwood's own. Um, he would always make the the local paper in Northwood because. I think like his great uncle lived in Northwood or something. So he, his results were always in the Northwood anchor. So Northwood's own Nick Watney, 125 to one. Do you look at, uh, you guys see any of the matchups? You see anything in the matchups that uh, jumps out for you? Um, so they basically just went down the list of the favorites and did it, huh? Yeah, it yeah, looks I, like. I like my guy, Doc Redman against Denny McCarthy. Doc minus one twenty versus Danny. Uh, I was kind of scrolling through there. Peter, uh, Lee said he liked a little Peter Malnati this week. I actually like Adam Shank versus him minus one fifteen. That'll be tough. If, that'll be tough when Malnati wins the tournament for anybody to be in. Malnati gonna be wearing his bucket hat. <laughs> I'm out. Depends how sunny it is. Luke List against Straka minus one twenty. I'd take Luke on that one. I mean, the thing about this week is you're seeing these matchups and they're all in the minus 110 to 125 range. So it's all guys. I mean, they just basically, eh, where the favorites at, where the guys around them on the, on the odd sheet. And we're going to just match those guys up and throw them in the 110 to 125 range and call it good. What's this six shooter stuff? You see, I see this round one, six shooters. Best, yeah, you can, pick, best you can score. pick the best score out of that group. Gotcha. Okay, so there's might be some some money to be had out there if uh, we, any of our loyal following is looking to uh, get back in and try to line the pockets a little bit. Um, we definitely and they still have nationality props this week, so you're good there, B. Good there. Um, I didn't even look at that. Who do anybody anything good? Um, top top American. Yeah, there's too many. All the Americans are the the betting favorites this week. Yeah, let's we gotta jump down the line a little bit here. Henrik uh, Stenson, top European plus seven fifty. I feel like that's good value. I don't even like I'm clicking through these quick. I don't even know half these guys. My normals my normal guys aren't there. Oh Tom Lewis though. Oh yeah. Ten to one. Britain Ireland plus three fifty, man. He's just oh, got I, you know, he's in the he's Danny in the Miller. Europe. Yeah, he's in the European one, too. Lock of the week, Stuart Sink, top 20, plus 200, <laughs> two to one on your money. Oh. Man, Luke, you mean to tell me Luke Donald's not going to beat Padre Harrington? Okay. Boy, we're really scraping bottom if we're talking about some of these. <laughs> value. 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 There's all just, sorts of value this week. Get get your money back. Is all we're, that's what we want to do here. Line your pockets a little bit. This um, is a good week to drop $52 bets on some crazy value out there. There you go. Give you, give you a reason to watch on Sunday, too. Yeah. But And then, we'll, then we go to Houston. Obviously, don't know a ton about Houston yet. Things will change. Um, the Houston Open, but uh, traditionally been been some decent golf play down there. Um, nothing on that. You got anything on Houston, Staggy? Well, you're gonna see uh, you're gonna see more of the top players playing week before the Masters. I mean, they're gonna be uh, a number of players down there that are among the top in the world as they're getting ready to play in the Masters. And uh, speaking of getting ready to play in the Masters, I don't know if you guys follow Brooks Kepka on social media at all, but he was just doing a little uh, Instagram story with his girlfriend there. Uh, gave me a little bit different perspective on Brooks. Uh, you know, you get you get what you see on the golf course and just what what do you say, meathead? This dude that's just uh, you know 
talking trash and going out there hitting the ball as far as he can. And it, it was a pretty cool perspective. Anybody else, any other guys see that? I, I saw probably half of them. They were doing some Q&A or whatever. I didn't get all the way through them, but I agree. They were super interesting. I thought the one that probably caught me the most or that surprised me maybe or that I was also interested by is the fact that they asked him what he listens to when he plays golf, and he says he doesn't listen to music because uh, the sound is one of the biggest um, feedbacks that he uses. And so I was like, oh, that was pretty cool um, to hear him say that. And then just, you know, it sounded like he was going to get more into just kind of generic topics and just random stuff. And yeah, I mean, I, I've always thought the dude just kind of seemed like just a cool dude, like a, a guy that, you know, obviously has has a little swagger and carries himself in a way. But uh, I just, I don't know, I've always been, always been a pretty big fan, but I agree it, it kind of opened the, the curtain a little bit behind it. Yeah, I actually had that conversation with one of my players who likes to go down and hit with his uh, with his headphones in. And I just, you know, talked to him. I said, I don't know if you saw this or not, but, uh, you know, I said, you got one of the best players in the world talking about this. And he's talking about how, yeah, you got to, you know, listen to the contact of the ball, you know, uh, all the different sounds. He said it's one of the, the senses and the feels of the game. And he said, I don't, so I don't practice or play with headphones in at all. I think as they were rolling around doing that Instagram story, uh, he was like 600 through seven holes, made an eagle on the one hole. And uh, so he's like, yeah, this is my, my master's prep, I guess. One topic that I also want to bring up, we talked about HV3, but, uh, and then Brooks and Rory, and is this, is the hoodies, the hoodies on course. Have you guys seen the fact that like everyone is talking about this and I'm not sure why, uh, what's your guys' take here before we jump into break um, on the hoodies? Should we should we be able to have the hoodie on the course? I love it. I think they look great. I think they are awesome. And the only people that would say they're not awesome are probably old and think that you should do a certain thing when you play golf. Like, we're getting past that point. Like, golf's becoming cool. And I think part of that is going to be the wardrobes that – that people wear. If you have a problem with the hoodie, then you probably should have had a problem with how Payne Stewart dressed. Cause that was a little bit far fetched too, but I thought that was awesome as well. So the hoodie 100% in, I would wear it in a second. I'm in and have worn it on the golf course. So uh, Travis Matthew shout out gives, makes a nice little hoodie that you can wear out there on the course. So got one of those. I'm all in on it. Rory was wearing it the other day. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think we gotta we gotta start to get past some of that. If you're gonna continue to grow the game and um, continue to uh, have fun, then uh, then oh, then clothing apparel, especially when I mean, like you said, like Travis Matthews, some of these hoodies and stuff that these guys are making, a they're super nice and they look nice, and then b I mean, it's it's more expensive than some of these scrubby polos that I've seen people out on anyway. So, you know, it's kind of. It's kind of is what it is, and uh, I love it. Let's go. I'm all about the hoodies. So um, with that, let's jump into a quick break, and we'll come back and talk uh, Masters. This two-pup podcast is brought to you by WB Realty, Central Iowa's best real estate brokerage. WB Realty, for all your real estate needs. All right, so the reason that we are back, or one of the big reasons, um, is the Masters. Obviously a tradition unlike any other. We are overly excited, so excited that we're doing the pod a little early. We just want to get all you two-putt listeners back uh, back warmed up here a little bit, start thinking golf. I know it's fall, we have football, we got basketball starting, we got a lot going on, but uh, uh, can't forget about the Masters, and it doesn't uh, doesn't sound like ESPN is going to let us forget about the Masters either. Did you guys see the latest news with that and College Game Day going there? An awesome, yeah. awesome idea. I mean, you talk about growing the game of golf. Combine it with the most popular thing on Saturdays, and especially Saturday morning before anything gets going. Um, you're going to build a lot of excitement for both golf and, and college football that day. That's, that's something that I think is a little bit different than you would think of the Masters. You know, I know game day looks different now than it ever has, but you think about the excitement and the noise and all that stuff that comes with game day. And then, again, for the Masters to even take that on, knowing that it is not what it normally is. But um, I think that's a really good 
idea for, for both ESPN and the Masters. Well, let me start off by saying, hello, friends. Welcome <laughs> to the Masters in the fall. Let's do this. Uh, I mean, when the news came out about college game day here, uh, give me Herb Street, Corso, those guys, Reese Davis, give me those guys at uh, – at Augusta National preview of the day. And, I, you know, the cool thing was I, I saw that uh, Chairman Fred Ridley talked about how, you know, they're going to be tapping into potentially a, a, an audience that they don't normally tap into because you're going to be watching College Game Day and they're going to uh, be drawn to the Masters and, you know, it's going to be a different audience. So I think that's really cool. I think it's thinking outside the box for them, especially in these times where they're not going to have any fans. They're trying to draw more attention to the tournament. And I think it's really cool that they're going to be doing it. And probably even more cool that we're going to be right back there in April. So it'll be before we know it, we're going to get another Masters. But um, uh, soon, soon to be friend of the program, Zach Johnson had tweeted something out about uh, uh, the Masters and wanting to be guest pickers. Dave, you were talking about that. Did you, what was it that he was, was reaching for? Yeah, I don't have it in front of me, but I saw you tweeted something about uh, if they're looking for a celebrity guest picker or a guest picker, I guess. Uh, you know, he talked about somebody that has local course knowledge and uh, is an avid college football fan that can talk about the games and, uh, you know, might have a certain colored jacket that he could wear for the picking. So uh, I think he threw a little bone out there for them to consider maybe as they're talking about who their celebrity guest picker is going to be for it. And who do the Hawks play that week? You guys know the schedule. Have that in front of you. Obviously, I'd love to love to get his uh, his intake on the hot on the Hawks. Obviously, big fan and has found himself in Iowa City for for big games in the past. And obviously, I know the follows closely. And so, yeah, if they got if they got him on the set um, and was able to go out there and do some picking, um, I think it'd be a lot of fun, and uh, he'd be able to be able to flex some knowledge. It looks like the Hawks have the Gophers. That's not, is that uh, Saturday, November sixteenth? When it is? Uh, is it that, or is it what's the Saturday before? The ninth. That'd be the fourteenth. Yeah, fourteenth. Yeah, Who do they play? Is that what you got? Uh, I, I don't – it looks like the Hawks are – they play on Friday, November 13th against Minnesota. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I thought Minnesota was a Friday night game. Okay. Yeah, so they actually don't play on that Saturday. Oh, that's They're kind of – That's kind of a bummer for him, but uh, – well, well, the They'll already have wrapped up a win, so – That's like, true. Oh, so, maybe. So, he can just talk about the victory instead of predict it. Let's hope. I don't know. Although, Minnesota got rolled up on this past weekend, so – um stomped. right like stomped yeah stomped. i was trying to i'm like i think that's right so i, I don't know it'll be interesting but at the same time the hawks got a lot to clean up too i mean geez too many too many penalties and all sorts of stuff going on but uh uh for another day there as we uh transition back to the masters and talk about augusta national i think obviously one of the things that we're excited about is just seeing the course um in the fall and how it's different um in you know overall just what it looks like in compared to what we're used to in the spring one thing i will say about that uh before we dive into that a little bit more but um i watched or i saw a clip um of spief hitting a putt or doing something and one of the things in which that i know it gets a lot of talk about but is the fact that you know they they pump in the bird sounds um for the broadcast or whatever and i was you know yeah, whatever never really noticed i never really thought of it when I watched that old YouTube video of Spieth hitting one of these putts, I, I'm like, yeah, those, like, I never noticed it until now. They totally do. Those birds, those are not real. Like, those birds cannot be that close to the microphone. Well, you got to do something to, you got to add something to the mix. I think we've learned that now. I mean, all sounds are basically fabricated now. So that'll be perfect. They were just ahead of the time. Well, it sounds like there's no squirrels on the property. Staggy, maybe you can attest to this. Any squirrels running around when you were there? I wasn't looking for them, but I also didn't see any <laughs> while we were out there. So, uh, I mean, I, there might be a few more running around, uh, you know, with nobody around, but they'll probably be shooing them away as quick as possible. So I, I cannot neither confirm nor deny that. 
Well, I, like I said, it's kind of one of those things that heightened awareness. Like now when you watch the, um, when you watch any of the clips and you hear these just distinctively hear the birds, you're like, wait a minute, is this really going on? But either way, it's a magical place. Um, be really fun to see what it looks like. Uh, we got what setup wise, we have par 72. Um, quick math by the team here, got it at 74, 75 on the, on the yardage book. Um, obviously we've seen the course, know the course, uh, love watching it on TV. It's going to be completely different. I think obviously fall is one thing, but without the patrons as they call them there down there in Augusta will be interesting too, to see, um, how everything looks. And if there's any setups, it, there's really not anything as far as grandstands that we can, that are going to look different and really change a ton of appearance. Is there with the, with the way that the course sets up? No, I think that, you know, when they have patrons there, all the grandstands for the most part are, uh, you know, they're definitely behind greens or off to the side. You know, when you get into Amen Corner, 11, 12, 13 there, uh, you know, those grandstands are so far off to the right of hole 11. Those guys are all missing to the right when they're bailing out there uh, behind 12 T, and then they don't even get up by 13 T box, obviously. So, you know, I don't, you know, not much is going to change. I don't think they're the only thing around hole 18. You know, those patrons get pretty close on hole 18 where guys miss long and they might be rolling up into where they're sitting. But, you know, appearance-wise, I think it's going to look pristine. You know, that's what they hang their hat on, and it's going to be pristine as they, you know, go into the tournament. So I'm looking forward to the commentary, hopefully. You know, hopefully we get a little insight to what those guys are talking about uh, around that course because we don't ever hear that. You know, when we're talking, when we're watching it on the normal coverage. So hopefully it's like these other tournaments where you can get a little insight to what they're talking about with, uh, you know, maybe hole 12 and what they're hitting. I agree. That's one thing that I will say we um, I miss the fans. I like the reaction, but I, I love hearing the mics and being able to get the caddy talk. Uh, that's one thing that uh, I do think will be fun to watch there specifically and see kind of how those guys um, are able to, to take that on and what shots and how they kind of walk through it. We had that, uh, um, that walkthrough with, with Tiger and Phil, God, it seems like forever ago, but right as the pandemic hit where they kind of walked through their victories and just talking through their thought process. Like if we can get just a little bit more of that, I think it's going to be special. Well, I think we will. And I, I think the players are the ones that really miss the fans. You've heard that quite a bit lately that just those those shots where you know it it does kind of change a tournament there's nothing no reaction so um that's i think it's harder for them to adjust to than than for us and i think the every sport that we watched since this whole thing happened they've adjusted the sound so that we don't really feel any different as fans and to jason's point about the the course there is no way that the masters would agree to, to play a tournament if that course wasn't going to be beautiful. So I think they, they have a pretty good idea what, um, what they're doing and what it's going to look like. I mean, even though we'd never seen it, I think they had a pretty good idea that they were getting into something where that course was going to be really sweet looking. Did you guys see any of the aerial? So they showed the course, um, I, I don't remember what the time time span was, but they showed it. And then like six days later, they showed it again. And it was like, it went from only green greens, everything else was Brown to then the whole thing was green. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a, it's own little botanical center down there and they can basically flip the switch and do whatever they want. Yeah. I was watching, I, I don't know if you guys follow the masters on Twitter, but they've been posting a couple of cool videos uh, just obviously leading up to things, but they were uh, detailing Magnolia Lane. Uh, so there are the green spray cans out detailing Magnolia Lane. So I'm guessing there's a little bit of green spray paint uh, that's going into this whole detailing to make that thing look as green as possible. But, yeah, it's going to be – I mean, the course itself, uh, they're going to do everything they can to make that look beautiful. Well, then once we uh, actually get these guys going, um, get a chance to start playing, have you guys seen – obviously the talk is is Bryson. 
Um, if you're listening to our pod, you're, you're a golf nut like us. And so you've been getting hit over the head with Bryson stuff. And so we won't go too deep in the weeds in that, but Bryson trying this, what, 48 inch driver that he's messing around with. Um, a few of these videos of him just swinging like Schmidt with his shoes off. Um, it's just been wild. I mean, it'll be interesting to see on how this course plays and what Bryson looks like and, I mean, obviously Bryson's still a really good putter and which is going to need to win the Masters. But uh, uh, obviously the favorite right now, what, do you, what are your guys' take on old Bryson? Well, I, I whiffed with the U.S. Open that I didn't know if he had the mentality to win it. And honestly, he didn't really need the mentality to win it because no matter where he drove it, he was still able to get the ball onto the green. Um, I, don't, I don't think – that's uh, going to be a thing that he can do at the Masters necessarily. But at the same time, if he's hitting it 60 yards further than everybody and he's hitting it out of the rough, like he may be able to do some things that, well, obviously we've never seen before because he continues to, to break down walls of, of things that just golfers shouldn't be able to do. So um I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to count him out, but it definitely comes down to, you know, how well you can play <laughs> on those greens because it is – it's tough. And Jason just gave me that old corona cough right there. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know if you can really count him out anymore because he seems to have figured out that the way he's going to be better than everybody is to be different than everybody. And he's okay with it. And – people are now having to figure out how to catch up with him. Looking at the lines here too, is going through, obviously we're not going to do a, a huge deep dive. We'll have more for you guys here uh, as we get a little bit closer, but uh, you mean to tell me that the Tiger Woods has a better chance of defending his title than Tony Finau, Staggy's boy does to win or Matthew Wolf, another one of Staggy's boy have a chance to win or Lee's boys down here below Tiger too, uh, fairway Jesus. I mean, all these guys, you, Tiger Woods, man. What do you think? Tiger, Tiger, have a chance? I mean, this is this is baby Augusta National. I'm not writing off Tiger. I mean, I know he hasn't played great, but Tiger, Augusta National, something about it that he's going to find his way into the mix probably. Uh, going back to your Bryson thing, like, I, I don't think he's going to win it, but you're going to see his name up top of the leaderboard. I mean, he's just too good, I think. Uh, and he hits it too far. I mean, that, that's the thing. Like, he's going to put himself into position to make a lot of birdies. I, I don't think he wins, but I think he's going to be a top 10 finisher. Uh, but going back to Tiger here, yeah, I, I think you're going to see him. I mean, I think you're going to see his name pop up there, and I think you'll see him play well uh, potentially two or three days uh, in a row. And, you know, if he has a chance on Sunday, those guys, no matter if there's patrons there or not, those guys will feel Tiger. He makes a few birdies out there. We talk about uh, distance, obviously looking, going down this leaderboard. So Bryson, Rory, who's now, what, flirting with 200 ball speed too. Um, Dustin, who we kind of forgot about because he was, he was going to go win in Vegas until he got the, the bid, right? Um, and then Rom, JT, Xander, Brooks, T-Rail, then we got Cantley, and then Morikawa, Reed, Webb. I mean, who's the shortest knocker out of those guys? Webb, maybe? I mean, Lee's boy, T-Rell Hatton, and they're 22 to 1 in this field? Heater. He can get on a heater. Yeah, he can. He'll also turn and throw his club mid-wedge shot when he doesn't like it, like he did at the CJ Cup. Like, that dude runs – he runs hot, very that hot. That dude runs hotter than anybody on tour. Well, it's because he's got a hoodie on. A lot warmer in those. He should have pulled it up. Cut the sleeves off it or something. Hey, you know, back to the Bryson thing, though, with the distance. The, you know, we've talked a lot, or at least we did that one episode about the Tiger Woods games where we got to play Augusta. Bryson is going to play Augusta like we did on the, the video game. He's going to we we got R2. to like choose how, yeah we got to like choose how far it went and and where we hit it and and obviously we would shoot scores on that course that would never be seen like 
if he got really hot and he was hitting the ball in the fairway that far, I mean, he would, he would literally play that course like we played it on a video game. He could leave the four, five, six, seven irons at home and just play it driver, wedges, eight, nine, wedge, bunch of wedges. For sure. I mean, even because they even with them mowing, they mow those fairways the opposite way now or whatever to try to prevent some of that rollout. Um, so people like Zach Johnson don't win the Masters again. But um, I mean, it, it's going to be something that, uh, like you said, I mean, Bryson is going to pick his spot. He's not going to care what he where he's at. He's hitting driver. He might be have might have two drivers in the bag. It sounds like. So he can pull out that 48-inch driver and just absolutely just roast D-stick down there and be like, I'll just hit it on a green and make a putt. It's going to be fun. It's, I mean, what are we, a couple weeks away from this? Uh, Throw me the Masters to the mid-November every year, as well as April. Yeah, just let's just let's just do it twice. I think I think it uh, definitely warrants that, and so. Obviously, like we said, we'll, we'll get into the Masters a little bit. Uh, all you listeners and any of us that we are in the works of trying to put together a little snake draft, so we'll be in touch on, on figuring out uh, how we're going to do that and, and and have a little fun uh, come uh, April – or sorry, April. Geez, see, now I'm already thinking April, November 12th, um, 13th, whatever day that that starts. And so super excited for that. Um, with that, uh, real briefly here, we'll, we got to do, um, we'll do a live read because we're all involved in this. Um, our, our wonderful sponsor up in Ames, Old Mormon Clothers, uh, who is our sponsor for Who's Career, in this case, Who's Win tonight, and we'll get to that here in just a second. But uh, uh, Justin hooked us up again, guys. I mean, we got, uh, we got some special shirts that got sent in the mail that uh, my exact words to my wife after I tried it on for the first time was, and if if all my button downs felt like this, I would probably wear button downs a lot more. What you guys What you guys think of the of the shirts that uh, um, Justin sent to us? The the feel is so much different, like you said, than any other type of button down shirt you have. I mean, obviously Phil, it's Mizzen and Maine, which is you know Phil's know, baby, if you will. Um, he wore it playing golf. I mean. Think about the button-down shirts that you have. I mean, could you play golf in them? I mean, no. That one, it is way different. Way different. And how about those magnetic collar clips that come with it? I mean, those are pretty sweet. Yeah, it's pretty good hookup that he sent us. So I was I was pulling mine out, showing my wife, and I was looking ahead of my schedule as to when I can wear it next. Uh, so I can get that thing on and wear that out and about. So, yeah, I mean, I, kudos to Justin and the guys at Mormon Clothers because those play, those babies are sweet. I'm looking forward to getting a chance to wear that. Yeah, really nice. The one thing that I noticed with them, because uh, of the material that you mentioned, Lee, the stretchiness of them, it's like you move your arms or your elbows and the sleeves, like don't like you're, uh, they don't move off your wrist. Like it stays the same. Like it's really cool, super comfortable. Obviously, Justin, I mentioned it too in our group text. Like it's crazy on how uh, good he is at, at, at fitting our styles too. Obviously, sent us all different all very much like right up our alleys as far as the style that each of us like to like to rock with. And so credit to him, um, not even really talking through it or walking with us, just kind of knows um, he's good at what he does. We appreciate everything that uh, he's done for us here on the pod. And, and can't forget, too, about the the whiskey that he sent along. Um, we haven't even had a chance to talk about it. I wish I had mine in front of me because I can't – I wouldn't be able to recall off the top of my head. But a uh, little sample of whiskey in the box as well, that, w- that was uh, an awesome touch. He said he does it, and we, you know, we're like, how do you, how do, you do that? Why well, just do it? And he did it. It was awesome. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm trying to figure out how I can get that button up into my rotation for basketball season. Oh. <laughs> you know, for games. I, I mean, if we have games this year, we'll see how it plays out. But I might have to work that into the rotation to see how it uh, looks with a little suit. Oh, it's going to look good. And if not, uh, obviously head on to Mormon Clothers uh, there in Ames and Justin will hook you up, take care of you. If you guys have not, if you've been listening to the pod and you've been following along with us here on this journey and you haven't gone on the website and looked at their stuff, I'm not sure what you're doing. Like you got to get on that website, find something on there, uh, hit them up, 
they'll take care of you. Um, shout, shout us out if you want. I don't know if it'll get you anything, but it's worth a try. And just say, hey, we heard about you on the two-putt. We appreciate it. I'm sure Justin would as well. And so, uh, again, Mormon Colders uh, in Mason City and Ames or hit them up on their website. And with that, then let's, uh, let's move into a little bit of whose career, but we're going to go whose win. Whose win would you rather have? Um, this is, oh, well, hold on. One more, one more thing I do want to throw out because Staggy, um, actually, we'll do it at the end. Staggy, we'll do it at the end. We'll wrap up with that. But um, so whose career is whose win? And we're obviously Masters theme tonight. And so we're going to go, whose win would you rather have? The 2003 victory by Mike Weir at the Masters or the 2016 Danny Willett victory? Um, the 03 or 16 Masters victory. Lee, whose win are you going to take? I would rather have Danny Willett's name if I had to pick um, out of that. Um, I, this is so juvenile, but Mike Weir's name is like you remember when we used to like say somebody's name with mike in front of it and like that last name would then you know like make it a funny thing you know like you know i'm not even gonna go i'm not going down that path mike weir when you say it fast it just sounds uh different uh, i would not want my name to be that but i would rather have his win um because i will take um any win um at the masters in the tiger era um because you know that it just wasn't easy back then you know to win tournaments in that stretch where tiger was clearly the best player in the world maybe the best player ever at that point um says something about the four days you put together any masters would be awesome um again i mean we're we're splitting hairs here but i'm taking mike weir's win in uh, 2003, just because of the timing of it and, and kind of what that timing uh, is thought of in the game of golf. Absolutely. Uh, I looked at this and I think of Bobby, Baba Bowie and the whole Danny Willett saga and the Ryder Cup and, uh, you know, I guess that whole thing surrounding it. And, uh, you know, Mike Weir, I mean, he's been a guy that has been traditionally he was really solid throughout his playing days and uh you know never really won a bunch of tournaments but obviously played really well at Augusta National and uh and like Lee said you're in the middle of Tiger Prime uh time when we were in college and well Lee wasn't yet but uh we were all getting to that point where we were in college and following golf a lot more and so it was really exciting to follow along with that and uh I'm going with Mike Wheeler's win uh back in what year was it 2003 2003 uh, so that makes it two to zero bc what you got well yeah so going through looking at this um obviously will it a little bit uh more f or fresher in the memory i should say but uh one thing that i didn't realize um is that he i mean he kind of ran away with it uh, that that's probably the biggest difference between these two is that um, you know, Willett went ahead and, and, and ran away with it from J Jordan Spieth and Lee Westwood were the two right behind him. A um, couple other names, DJ's on there with a T4. Um, both your guys' boy, um, Berger, what do you want on your Berger, was a T10. Um, Staggy's boy, Fitzpatrick, was a T7. And so Rory's on there. Uh, Rosie's on there. I mean, you know, there's some guys uh, – Kepka, ooh, Kepka and uh, Bryson T21 together. That was kind of cool. But, um, yeah, so obviously, I mean, still still beating out some good golfers um, and did it, you know, was able to win the Masters and put together uh, the rounds in which that he was able to win in, in 2016. But uh, um, as you mentioned, let's be honest, I mean, no one's going to remember the 16 Masters uh, over the, the 0-3 Masters when he's – uh, I believe it did I go into a playoff. You, you guys may, I think maybe he got him in a playoff. And then uh, on, on the short list here, Phil, I think got third. Furick got fourth. Ernie L's sixth. T6 with VJ. Marco Mira, Staggy's boy on there, T28. Um, <laughs> David Toms and his khaki, also probably Staggy's boy somehow. And then, of course, the uh, cat. Oh, we got D3 on there. 
he got a T15 along with KJ Choi and the cat, Tiger Woods, um, back in 03, which, like you said, was just the, the prime of – what was it the prime? What's, what's Tiger's actual prime? What do you guys think? When was the Tiger Slam? That was before this. Was that like like two thousand two thousand one? One was the Tiger Sam. Probably should know that, but um, yeah. I mean, so this is I mean peak Tiger for sure. Peak Tiger Woods video game, and this guy comes out of nowhere, Mike Weir, and wins the Masters. Um, I'm gonna go with his win too. Uh, so that's a that's a a landslide three to three to nothing on the pod. Maybe some of the listeners who uh, always have some good input are able to to give us a little something extra. Steggy, what do you got? You asked about the playoff. It yeah. was the playoff. Uh, Len Matisse was who he was in the playoff with. They wow. were seven under. Uh, Bill Mickelson was in third at five under. Like you said, Furyk four under. Jeff Maggart two under. Uh, Ernie Els, VJ saying one under and then a host of guys at even par. Uh, but Mike Weir and Len Matisse. That's wild, man. I, I, looking at some of those scores, too, uh, obviously seven under. I mean, those uh, top – but, yeah, there's a lot of guys at even and over. Um, I mean, Mike, Mike Weir won, and he shot 75 in the third round. If DraftKings was around in 2003, you would have got tremendous value at, with Mike Weir as the top lefty. You would have. Absolutely. Phil Mickelson would have been rolling with that. Thing. Oh, for sure. Well, especially after shooting a 75 on Saturday. I mean, he was not, not the favorite going into Sunday. Um, shot 68. is a high score to, to win the Masters, I think. Yeah. Your boy Len, it looks like he shot 65 on Sunday to force that playoff. See, I don't remember that. There huh? we go. That might be something to go back and archive and watch. So, hey, we just remember the winners. We <laughs> only remember the winners. That's right. No one remembers who got second. So, well, perfect. That does it for our Who's Victory or Who's Career again, sponsored by Mormon Clothers. Uh, here on the Two Pup Podcast, Iowa's number one golf podcast. But before we get out of here, we're, we're one long segment. Hopefully, we've uh, held you guys on for this long. We do want to review uh, our our picks, our line your pockets from the U.S. Open, if you guys remember that. You remember when the U.S. Open was? That was seemed like forever ago. Um, you guys talk about uh, – or we talk about um, – the fans and not having fans there. Um, one of the shots I think is, uh, or well, I guess there's, there was a couple, but it just, it felt so different with the U S open, obviously not having the fans. There was a few around there, but there's several shots where it's like, you're going to see, see Bryson and, and some of the other shots and not have the reaction was a little bit different. Um, was not what we expected. Definitely not what any of us, I think, expected as the picks did not quite shake out. But, uh, Steg, you want to run through our, our records quick and explain the line in your pockets before we get off? Yeah, we, uh, I uh, still have that in the archives here, so we'll go back to it. But line your pockets, Lee went 3-7 and seven that week. Had a couple nice wins with Phil Mickelson to miss the cut, who he absolutely exploded. Oh, he was awful. He had... Dick Hovland is a top Scandinavian, which hit. And then he had any American to win, which uh, he boosted to plus 100. So Bryson obviously came through for him there. Uh, BC uh, went one and five. We all know BC likes to take those uh, line your pocket picks that Lee and I maybe don't even look at or consider. Uh, but the one he did win was uh, Brennan Todd to be in the top 40. Uh, we, we laughed about it. I text those guys, text both you guys. Uh, he said no hole in one at plus 100. And uh, our boy, Patrick Reed, on the seventh hole, I believe, uh, put an end to that on Thursday. So that thing ended in a hurry, about an hour and a half into the tournament. Uh, and then myself, I was four and six. I uh, had a couple nice wins. Will Zalatoris, the favorite this week. Uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I uh, came through top 20 at plus 500. Nice little one there. And so at four and six, uh, I always throw out my year-to-date there. That brings a total of 37 and 28 year-to-date after the U.S. Open. So 
Uh, nice little profit margin there if you're on the right ones. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's it's been fun kind of following along with that. Sorry, I don't have your guys' year to date, but. Oh, we'll clean that up for, for next year. We'll have year to date. We're betting units. We are, it's going to be the real deal Line your pockets. You guys just want to, you guys just want a clean slate. I understand like rough start, clean slate. Let's go. Oh, we'll be, we'll be ready for next April for sure. When, uh, when season two of the, the two pup podcast comes at you guys. So, well guys, Hey, it was a, it was a lot of fun, uh, getting back on the bike here and, uh, getting this all figured out. Hopefully you guys hung on, um, with us there out there listening. We'd love to hear from you as always. Um, shoot us a message, uh, DM text, whatever it is. Uh, we'd love to hear from you keep the ratings and reviews coming. Uh, let us know if you do get a chance to get out and get a couple more swings in. We love the picks. So send them our way. Uh, it's the two pup podcast, Iowa number one golf podcast. Mm-hmm.